This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. I just want to recap what we've done today, a little potpourri. We started with baseball because I was driving into the studio today, and I came across someone walking down the block with a San Francisco Giants hooded sweatshirt, and it got me thinking two things. One is, wow, opening day about a month away, month a little more than a month, March 30th, Yankees at home against the Giants. I'm excited for Good to have baseball back in the mix. But number two was, man, how close were we to losing Aaron Judge? I go back to I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I saw the report surface. Arson Judge is headed to San Francisco, and I was heartbroken like like any other Yankee fan out there. To go from having a guy who, as far as a talent perspective, uh, you know, he's got to win championships, and, you know, he's, he's got to— do all of those things to to become one of the all-time great Yankees. But just from a talent and production standpoint of, of what he's been so far, we're losing one of the best Yankees I've ever seen off of one of the best seasons we've seen in, in quite some time where he wins the MVP and he's hit 62 home runs. We're losing that guy. So amidst all the heartbreak, it was a sound. It was a a, a, a large thud, and that was the sound of the Yankee championship window officially being closed because I can't envision this team getting back to a World Series without Judge if I just saw him have one of the best seasons in MLB history last year and they got swept in the American League Championship Series. How are they possibly getting back there without him? But of course, that report was inaccurate and back comes Aaron Judge, nine years, 360, and the 16th captain in franchise history. So now I'm paying attention to the projections. Pakoda. Uh, gives the Yankees the best odds of making the playoffs, the best record the Yankees will have. About 98-ish wins, according to Pakoda. And Vegas has them with the third best odds to win the championship. So I can dream a little bit. I can dream and dream and dream and then smack them in the face with reality because this is what us Yankee fans do. We look for the negative. So among the concerns are the bullpen. Who's the closer? Clay Holmes? I guess. If he's the guy that was an all-star last year in the first half of the season. I feel great about it, but if he's anything like that guy we saw in the second half, then oh, it's going to be a long season. That bullpen became a mess uh, in the second half and headed into the playoffs, but with the combination of Wandy and Trevino and Luisica and Michael King, Tommy Canley's back, Clay Holmes, uh, there should be enough talent there to get it done. You're just hoping that they can all play to the back of those baseball cards. All year long, though, I don't care what happens, us Yankee fans are going to be dealing with much of what we dealt with last year, and that is, are we caring a lot about the regular season? Because we've seen 100 wins, 102 wins, all met with horrifying playoff exits, so we're just looking to how good are we compared to the Astros? It's not about the Yankees winning this division, which they should, or winning 100 games, which they should. It's about how good are we compared to that team in Houston that, yes, did lose Justin Verlander, but is also still very good, talented enough to win another championship. And the Yankees, I don't care who they lose, that Astros team, I don't care who they lose, the Yankees are sick can't seem to handle them in big spots. We saw it in 17, saw it in 19, and then saw it in last year. The ghost of October's past continue to present themselves at the worst moment, and the Yankees, until they do it, you know, I, I just, I don't I don't know if I, I see them beating the Astros. So the Astros, out of respect 
And out of me being humbled last year, they're the team to beat in the American League until proven otherwise. So we'll see what happens. That Yankee rotation has a high ceiling with Cole, Sevy, Radon, and Nestor. But also the floor can be pretty low if you're looking at injuries, with which Nestor already has with his hamstring. Severino in the last four years has started 22 games, and Rodon up until last year had been dealing with a lot of injuries. So, look, high ceiling if they all stay healthy. But if you know, it can become a problem if we start to see the injuries mount. Who's your shortstop? Is it IKF? Didn't love that last year. Who's your left fielder? Is it Aaron Hicks? Didn't love that last year. What are you getting from Glaber Torres? Is he still going to be on the team past the trade deadline? So a lot of question marks headed into the season. But I do think this Yankees team can be special during the regular season. But I'm not going to go as far as to say they're going to win a World Series until I actually see them handle the Houston Astros. Meanwhile, you have the Mets. Pakoda giving them the, the second-best odds to make the playoffs, and they're going to have the second-best record according to these projections. Don't call me a hater. I'm just calling it how I see it. After all the noise made last season and it ending with that failure and collapse, I'm in see-it-to-believe-it mode. Won 101 games, had the manager of the year. I get it. Ten-and-a-half game division lead was blown, and you ended the season winning one playoff game. One playoff game. So this year... Got a payroll of $364 million. They're tied with the Yankees and the Braves with the third-best odds to win the championship. So I've got to see it. Uh, it. The results have to happen. We can talk all you want about the potential of Manny Machado being your third baseman next year. Uh, maybe you go out there and get Shohei. You've got an owner who's richer than God. I, I hear it. I hear it. But at some point, you got to start having these tangible, res- tangible results come in the form of winning games, winning playoff series. Because in the last seven years, you've won two playoff games. Not good enough in this New York market, especially with a team going into next year, or into this season, I should say, with all the talent you have Verlander coming off of Cy Young, future Hall of Famer, replacing DeGrom. I, as far as I'm concerned, you upgraded there. You added Kodai Senga to your rotation, uh, Jose Quintana. So you've got some depth there. Nemo's back. Carrasco's there. I guess one of the question marks has to be, is Edwin Diaz going to be as good as he was last year? Maybe he doesn't need to be that great. But he's still going to be, you know, we saw it in Seattle. He was, he was, he was special. He was electric. So if he can continue to have that bullpen on lock, that spells good things for the Mets. Can Scherzer avoid that letdown that he experienced late last season? Now, I, I, I would like to remind you, and that's now back-to-back years where the season didn't end favorably for Scherzer because you remember in Game 6 of that division series against the Braves, couldn't start because he had arm fatigue. And then last year, he just didn't pitch well late for the Mets. So as he gets older, is he going to get better down the stretch? I still trust and believe in Scherzer. But that, that is definitely something you are going to have to pay attention to. Didn't really touch on this as much as I wanted to, but the MLB rule changes were needed as baseball has dipped to the third sport in America behind basketball and football. I do love banning the shift. It kind of reminds me of when the NBA implemented that defensive three seconds rule in 1990. In baseball, since players aren't being taught and are willing to and or willing to beat the shift, I think this is what needed to be done because you need more offense. League-wide batting average was down to 243 
last season. 243 was the batting average. What does that mean? Well, it's the lowest since 1968. Balls aren't being put in play. Guys aren't hitting for average and getting on base. There's just not enough action. So how do you correct that? You ban the shift. And during the first two months where we saw the shift uh, ban in the minor leagues than the 2022 season and the lower levels of the minors, we saw the batting average of balls put in play by hitters rise uh, eight points by left-handed hitters. The batting average on balls in play by left-handed hitters rose by eight points. So clearly that helped things in the lower levels of the minor leagues. So we're looking forward to seeing what it can do in the majors because we do need to see more offense. We're seeing it across all sports. People love offense. Like I get pitching matchups and pitching duels, one nothing. That's not going to entice the younger audience. The pitch clock, to me, no-brainer. So you get 15 seconds if you're a pitcher with no one on, 20 with runners on, plus batters need to be in the box with eight seconds left on that clock. That's going to be regulated, and I think that's going to lead to a, a, a quickened pace of play because games in the minors were 20 minutes shorter when they instituted the pitch clock. So now you got more balls put in play, more offense, games are shorter. So, so as far as I'm concerned, this is a win for baseball. This is a win. You also have uh, pitchers are allowed two disengagements per plate, in, per, per plate appearance without a penalty. Uh, the disengagement rule resets if a runner or runners advance a base with the same plate appearance. So the disengagement is throws over the first base, pick off, pick off plays. You can only do that twice per plate appearance. And now maybe this leads to stolen bases becoming uh, something that's more prevalent in baseball. You get more action on the base path. So more action on the base pass, more people on base, shorter games. I'm loving it. I don't, I don't understand why if you're a baseball fan, this is something that you can be against. I know the most contentious rule would be the ghost runner. And I have no problem with it. I, I don't think games should be longer than they already are, which we just established. And we don't have this issue in the NBA. You get five-minute overtime, and, okay, you can get to double overtime, but these games are going to end. We're not going to get 18 overtimes in basketball. And in football, you're going to get one you're going to get one quarter. The games are going to end. And if they don't end after that one quarter, you'll get a tie. Baseball... I don't want to see 18, 19, 20 inning games. Let's get these games over with. And with the Ghost Runner, at least there is some some action happening immediately to stop to start the top of the 10th inning. You have that runner on second base. Things are happening automatically. So I think that's a good rule for baseball. As far as the NFL is concerned, you know, I've been talking about it. I've <laughs> been talking about it for weeks now. Aaron Rodgers, that's the guy I want under center for the Jets it it increases their ceiling significantly as you know I've watched this team for 12 straight years miss the playoffs I want to see them get back to no pun intended greener pastures so if this means that Aaron Rodgers has to go into a darkness retreat where he's not getting any sunlight or light to begin with for four days and it's gonna lead to him choosing the Jets I'm all for as far as the Giants are concerned we watched the Super Bowl you need elite level quarterback play in order to contend for championships and the Giants have that in their division with Jalen Hurst we just saw him put up 35 points wasn't good enough to win the Super Bowl but he did enough for his team to win you would love to have the fumble return for a touchdown back they win the game if that doesn't happen in my opinion but Jalen Hurts has established himself 
It's one of those upper echelon quarterbacks in the NFL. You have that in your division. The Cowboys, that's a team that's not going anywhere. You haven't beaten them since Dak's rookie season in 2016. So if you're the Giants, look, I'm all for signing Daniel Jones, but know that you're marrying a guy who you think can give you that elite-level quarterback play once you supplement it with weapons and the improved offensive line, and it's now year two with Dable and the coaching staff. So... That's what the Giants are signing up for. And look, I'm rooting for Daniel Jones. It was He had a great season last year, 22 touchdowns to just eight turnovers. He proved it. The Giants declining that fifth-year option. Got to feel like that offended him. But look, what can you do? You, you had to be in a see-it-to-believe-it period. As far as the basketball is concerned, a little bit of, of a different feeling here in New York City at this time around for the All-Star break because the Nets were used to discussing title hopes and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and whoever that third star is, whether it be James Harden or I guess presumably it was supposed to be Ben Simmons. We're used to talking about that. What chance do you give the Nets of winning a championship? What would it mean for Kevin Durant's uh, legacy? Fortunately, unfortunately, that's not the case because Durant is gone, Kyrie's gone. Durant goes to Phoenix, Kyrie goes to Dallas, and the Nets are just kind of that middle-of-the-road team. They're now the five-seed. Five seed. Meanwhile, the Knicks, six games above 500, 33-27. This is the best record they've entered the All-Star break with since that 2012-2013 season that saw them win 54 games on the way to winning a playoff series, beating that Celtics team in six games before succumbing to the Pacers, Roy Hibbert, that block on Mello in the second round. Uh, so the, the, the Nets are doing, uh, the, the Knicks are doing well. They're just three games behind the Nets in that loss column for the fifth seed. And why is that important? Because it's the difference between you drawing dead in the first round versus you having a fighter's chance to get to the second round. If the Nets are playing Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly, I give them no chance to win that playoff series. Too much star power on the sides of the opposing teams. Whereas you play Cleveland as a team, I still think will beat you, will be favored, but at least you have a chance. The Knicks, with Brunson and Randall playing as good as they are, will have a chance in that series. Again, I wouldn't pick them to beat Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs because while the Knicks will have the second and third best players in that series, the Cavs will probably have the next three best players. You get Donovan Mitchell, who's going to be the best player. And then after that, you've got Jared Allen, you've got Evan Mobley, you've got Darius Garland. So I think that the, the, the Cavs with home court will prove to be too much for the Knicks. But it is your best path to getting to a second round series. So that's uh, the basketball, that's the football, that's the baseball. We talk to you next at 800-919-3776. Keep those phone lines coming and hit me up on Twitter at Ty D. Butler, Instagram as well. We're going until 7 o'clock tonight, leading you into coverage of the NBA All-Star Game right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. go to Union City to chop it up with Michael. What's up? What's up, Michael? Yeah. Hey, how you doing, Ty? What's good? They, the, re, the reason I got, I just get bothered by a lot of the um, media members. I think you guys kind of forget what it's like to be just a pure fan. Not, oh, trust me, I know you're a big-time fan. But you got to remember how this wheel works in sports, that it starts with the fans. We as much as I used to be a union organizer, so I trust me, I respect labor. But the reason why we fans watch sports is for competition. And when super teams, and we love, we love to have a good versus evil team, a, a powerful team every once in a while. That's great. 
But when the second best player in the league joins a team that just broke the NBA record for the most wins, and he was the reason why the year before that they they had, they moved on to win their first championship. It just looks bad, and it's not competitive. Ty, have you played pickup basketball? Well, well, here's the thing, Michael. I I don't dis. I didn't say I disagreed with that. So, like, I I don't understand. I didn't say I disagreed with that. Yeah, but you but you were mentioning that that uh, you you don't like like a lot of the fans don't like when um when athletes move around and switch teams and things like that. Yeah, but that's different. And that's a unique case. Like. That, but that's a, that's a different case. I wasn't talking about that move. I would love to I would love to have seen Durant either stay in OKC or go elsewhere. I didn't I didn't love him going to the Warriors. It was terrible. And but a lot of I mean, but you got to remember, I remember playing pickup basketball and you probably remember this too. If you went to a, a basketball court, there's one team that's dominating the whole time. You had to get out to wait to play. And you would you see a, a one guy that goes, I want to wait until one of their guys leaves, the team that's been winning the whole time. And everybody would look and be like, what? A, like, really? <laughs> Anti-competitive? Like, you're going to do that? Yeah. And wait to join the team that's just dominating? Cause yeah. Because you can't, you don't want to challenge them? It's just anti-competitive. It's not the reason why most fans watch sports. We don't watch sports to see, uh, you know, Super teams all the time. No, I get we it. We want to see competition. That's why we love the '90s, even though the the product wasn't as beautiful. Guys weren't moving around that much, and they wanted to beat the other team. Jordan wanted to be wanted to be like uh, Charles Barkley and those guys. They didn't want to join up with each other. And by the way, the Jordan and and LeBron thing. Jordan is a LeBron's a much better human being, activist, all that stuff. But Jordan, a jerk, but that jerk was a jerk on the court, and that's what made him a pit bull in the championship game. Listen, I appreciate the call, Michael. I, I disagree with the whole MJ LeBron thing. I think I, I think LeBron has surpassed MJ as the greatest player of all time, but it's it's open to a, a debate. I, I don't mind you feeling that way. As far as the player movement, look, I, again, I want to reiterate. I was I'm, I'm a big KD fan, but I'm honest. I was not in favor and who, who who you know he doesn't need me to he doesn't need me to you know be in favor of what he does but i didn't i didn't love him going to golden state for that reason it was a team that they had lost to in the western conference finals despite being up 3-1 they had that not just 3-1 lead but you had a pivotal game 6 on your home floor and clay thompson just went off but the, the the Thunder blew that series, and then he went to the Warriors, and he felt like he needed to win championships and never got the credit he he des- he felt like he deserved. Now, I I don't agree with the folks who try to take away the credit because he was the best player on those Warriors teams, and he was the Finals MVP, and he hit the two biggest biggest shots in both those runs in 2017 and 2018. And then we saw once he got hurt in 2019, they lost. But I, I didn't necessarily love him going there. But as far as player movement, uh, I, I can't say I can't say that it's it's bad for the league. I get if you're a fan of a team and you are a victim of the star player leaving your team. Like I understand how that can hurt. But if you are a star of a team who like if you're a, a Heat fan and you go from being one of the worst teams in basketball. 
to a playoff team, and then a couple years later, you get LeBron and, and Chris Bosh. Are you telling me that you're not happy about that? If you're a Nets fan and, and you're kind of hovering around being mediocre, you got D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie and all these young guys, then you add Durant and Irving. In the moment, I know it hasn't aged well, but in the moment, you're telling me you're not happy about that? Let's go to Jersey Shore to talk to Tyler. What's up, Tyler? Hey, Ty, what's going on? What's going on, man? How you doing? From one Tyler to another. Yes. <laughs> what's, what's up? <laughs> Nothing. I'm actually Tyreek. I'm not Ty. My, my brother is Tyler. I, I'm Tyreek. Ty is short oh for Tyreek. Oh, my gosh, really? Yeah, yeah, short for Tyreek. He but, actually doesn't spell it the same way as me. No, he doesn't because you spell your name with a silent E at the end, which we got a question. Yeah. But, you know, to each I, their that's own. That's my mother. She had to make me a little bougie. <laughs> to each their own. What's up, man? What you got for me? Ah, <laughs> uh, nothing. Uh, but just, I couldn't disagree with everything that what that guy was saying. Like, at the end of the day, we love a villain story. Durant goes there. If another team can beat Golden State, like, we love that team. Yeah, of course. You know, we look into that. We, we want to watch that. We want to see that fail. Almost wanted, like we wanted to see Brooklyn fail. Yeah, I agree and, with that. And sorry about that. Now go ahead. I say I agree with that. Like the the villain stories, I think are great for sports. When you have the Astros become the villain in baseball, I thought that was great for baseball. The Patriots in the NFL. We'll see what happens now that they no longer exist. But you know, in the NFL, in the NBA with the Warriors and the Big Three in Miami, like the the villain teams, I I think are are, are incredible for the sports. I, I I am completely with you on everything. And then in the guy saying LeBron's a better person than Michael Jordan, that's a very subjective thing. Like, yeah, we definitely know LeBron started the school, but then the thing with the police officer. So, you know, it, it, I don't know about that one. But the one thing I do want to discuss is the Jets uh, quarterback situation. One thing that no one's talking about is Aaron Rodgers' relationship with, um, with some people that were friends with Joe Douglas in high school. And I think that's going to play a very important role in Rodgers coming to the Jets. I hope so. <laughs> I really do hope so. Because I don't, if you know the person I'm talking about, he likes to do pizza reviews. Um, that's his best friend from high school, and I really think that's going to be the driving force behind Aaron Rodgers coming to the Jets. Well, listen, I appreciate the call, Tyler. Whatever the driving force is, uh, just make it happen. That, that's what I'm rooting for. 800-919-3776. We'll get back to your phone calls when we return. Got 30 minutes left in the show, so line up the phone lines. Hit us up on Twitter, Ty D. Butler, Instagram as well. We're going until 7 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, it's a vibe right here. Ty Butler going until 7 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. Still time for you to get on these phone lines at 800-919-3776. And hit us up on Twitter, Ty D. Butler, Instagram as well. Back to the phone lines we go just because we're kind of up against it right now. Let's say hello to Anthony and Dobbs Ferry. What's up, Ant? What's up, Ant? Uh, let me ask you a question, man. I'm a big Nick fan, bro, so here's the problem. 
we, we got sold on this World Wide West and this Leon Rose thing, and he was supposed to bring in their movers and shakers to the NBA. They're going to bring all these attractive agents. Where are they? <laughs> well, the biggest free agent you've signed is Jalen Brunt, and he's been fantastic. But when you envision yeah. when you envision he's been great. stars, he's been great side, but we ridiculously overpaid for him. Let's not forget about that either. I mean, we were competing against ourselves in that deal. Well, look, and if Jalen Brunson's the attractive free agent, come on, man, that's, that's fair. That's just not it. And here's the and Ty, here's the bigger problem. I heard you talking about R.J. Barrett. It's a little frustrating. So, the Knicks are in the worst position you could be in the NBA because they're not bad enough to be a lottery team, but they're nowhere near good enough to be a championship team. So, they're in that seven, six, five area where you're not going to get a great player coming out of college or overseas. But you're also never going to contend for a championship. So what's the next move? Is what's the Knicks front office next move? Look, it's a it's a phenomenal question. And I appreciate the call, Anthony. I so the so for me, here's the conflict because I agree with you. You you are kind of in the worst spot right now. No one thinks you're winning a championship. But you're not bad enough to to end up in a lottery to draft a Giannis or a Luka or a Jokic, right? Like that transcendent, game-changing talent that will three, four years from now have you right in contention, assuming you're able to build around them, like the guys I mentioned in Dallas and in Denver and, and in Milwaukee. So it, I, but why I'm conflicted is because I do want to give them credit for – at the beginning of the season being expected per Vegas to be around 38 and a half wins. And at the all-star break, you're at 33 and 27. So you're having your best season uh, since that 2012 season. So I want to give you credit for that. I, I, I don't want this to be just doom and gloom because we should celebrate the fact that in about two hours, we're going to be watching Julius Randle in an all-star game for the second time in three years. I do want to celebrate the fact that you can say they overpaid for Brunson, and in real time when it happened, I said the same thing. You can head to my Twitter, Ty D. Butler. I'm not hiding from it. I said, what are the Knicks doing with this Brunson thing? Because I didn't see him becoming this. So at the time, it was an overpay. But right now, it looks like a bargain. And that's all that Brunson has continued to flourish and continued to expand his game where he's looked upon as one of the best point guards now in the league just for what he's been able to do with this team. He came into a situation where, remember how thirsty this fan base was for a point guard? Haven't had one, haven't had one in 30 years. And you finally got one, and he's delivered. So I'm with you, Anthony. Like, it's a tough position to be in. So don't take this as me disagreeing with you. I agree that you're kind of on that treadmill. You're, you're in no man's land in the NBA because you're not going to make a run. You don't have the star to do so. And since you're not one of the worst teams in the league, like what's the path to getting that star? So to answer your question about what's next for this team, I think you're going to have to make a decision on R.J. Barrett. He doesn't have any value right now, but you get to the the, the offseason. What are we doing with Barrett? And I, I think you want to keep, you would love to keep Brunson and Randall, but how can you keep them while adding a, someone better than those guys? If there is a way 
to keep Randall and keep Brunson, who both have $100 million-plus contracts, but gut the rest of your roster to get that next star, that that's what you're hoping for. Now, whether it comes via free agency or someone is disgruntled somewhere and wants out of whatever, whatever situation they're in, we're going to start to hear about Luka Doncic wanting out, right? That's going to become the next thing. <laughs> Once the Mavs don't go anywhere with Kyrie Irving and he, he leaves in free agency, Luka Doncic is going to be the guy who wants out of Dallas. And you'll see the, the Knicks link to that guy. Um, but that, that's what you're hoping for. And I'm with you. On the front office, we're sold on this. You know, they're going to bring in stars. But we're, we're, we're going to bring in stars, but we that has, hasn't materialized. And I, look, so someone's tweeting at me, Jokic was a second-round pick. A uh, second-round pick. I understand that. What I'm saying is, as far as talent and transcendent player, I know where Jokic was drafted. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, the guys who are foundational pieces in the NBA, typically, Giannis was the 15th pick. Kawhi, I believe, was the 14th pick. I'm, I'm saying typically when you have those upper echelon transcendent stars, you're taking them with high-end lottery picks. Come on. I, I know what Jokic was drafted, but this guy is like such a loser. He always wants to tweet at me. I don't even know why I gave him the time of day. Uh, let's go to East Windsor to talk to Mitch. What's up, Mitch? Mitch, what's going on? Hey, how's it going I, What's going on, man? How you doing? No, in baseball, the money's getting extravagant. For it's hard to have a super team like it's team NBA. You got these stars got more pull and get their way so easily. Um, you think? Where do you think Manny goes? I mean, they, he signed the contract. It's a fair, it's a fair amount. And Otani. I mean, I like to see Otani stay with the Angels, but my daughters are hurting. What do you think? Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate the call, Mitch. So his question, and he was breaking up a little bit. Where do I think what Manny Machado and Otani go? Let's start with Otani. So we've been talking about the Pakoda projections. If we are to believe these projections, they have the Angels with a better than 50% chance to make the playoffs. I wonder how much that sways Otani as far as the decision-making to stay in Los Angeles with the Angels. Because remember, when he first came into the league and teams were bidding on him, it felt like it was all West Coast teams, that that's where he wanted to play. So has he lost that appetite to stay on the West Coast, or is it that he's tired of the Angels stinking? And if the Angels can get to the playoffs, maybe that pushes him to to want to stay there. So, I, I mean, look, I'm not a baseball insider, so clearly I have no idea where these guys are going. But Manny Machado, I would say the Mets feel like a perfect destination for him. The owner wants to keep spending. Manny is a superstar, finished second in the MVP last year in the National League. Folks could argue uh, he probably could have or should have won the MVP, but he is a superstar. And it it feels like the Manny Machado we watched in Baltimore where he made the Johnny Hustle comments. He's not that guy anymore. Like, he's a a seasoned vet. He's ready for that big stage. And the Mets with, you know, Eduardo Escobar, pending free agent, that will be a hole that they they can fill. So Manny Machado feels like, um, I don't know, if San Diego, if they win the title this year, is, is, is that different? With him, you know, having a, a really good team and, and contending for championships. But if I had to guess, like, what the perfect spot would be for him, just right now, looking through a wide-eyed lens, I would say the Mets. I would say the Mets. Let's go to Long Island to talk to Steve. What's up, Steven? 
Steve. Hey, uh, what up? Hi. What's up? Okay, I want to weigh in on the um, the uh, issue of player empowerment, putting together super teams. Okay, let me hear. It seems like a lot of callers don't mind if the super team is put together by Red Aldock or Jerry Reinsdorf or Pat Riley. But if the players do it, then there's something wrong with it. I like the player empowerment. Yeah. I like the fact that labor has some some power uh, vis-a-vis management. So, yeah, that's take. I appreciate the call, Steve. And it's self-interest. It's funny you do that because if, if the, the, the GMs are putting the super teams together, like those Jordan Bulls teams were kind of super teams. Like we had three Hall of Famers, Rodman, Pippen, and Jordan. Like those, those were super teams. Like compared to... What the rest of the league was, like you look at who the first, second, and third best players were on the other teams they were going up against, that was considered a super team. But to your point, folks really don't have any issues with it if it's the GM putting the super team together as opposed to the player, which I never understand why we want to side with like owners and GMs over players. But, I mean, that's just the the world we live in, especially in this sports society. Long Island is where we go to talk to Raph. What's up, Raph? Hey, Ty, congratulations on the show. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Uh, I just want to actually talk about how I don't want Aaron Rodgers on the Jets. Oh, man. So you're about to give me a terrible opinion, but I'm excited to hear it. (laughs) Well, I just don't understand why everyone ignores the fact that he's a giant cancer for the locker room when the Jets are finally moving in the right direction for, like, their locker room and everything. They've always been a circus of the uh, AFC East. Let me ask you a question, Raph. So you say he's yes, a sir. cancer in the locker room. Okay. So how did that cancer in the locker room look when in three consecutive seasons when Matt LaFleur was the hired as the head coach, his first three seasons as the head coach, they were 13-3, and 13-3, and 13-3, and, and Rodgers was the MVP of the league. Was that cancerous? Uh, there was definitely some stuff behind the background. Obviously, I'm not taking away anything from his skill set. But even if we do ignore that fact, right, we have to get through the entire AFC. First of all, that's Buffalo and Miami. Then we still have to worry about Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes if we get to the playoffs. And you we really think... want to put ourselves back that many draft picks? Listen, how are you get... a how are... late rounder? How are you getting through those guys if you don't have excellent elite-level quarterback play? And by the way, on Miami and, and Buffalo... Those are two teams you beat last year with with terrible quarterback play. Now the, understood, the, understood. Now the the disc, I'm not taking now, that away, but do you want to kick the can for two years and mortgage the future, or do you want to go for more longevity with the Lamar Jackson, Lamar? Uh, sorry, um, Derek Carr and Derek Jimmy Carr. Garoppolo. Here's the thing, Raph. We've been trying to build for the future for decades, and it just hasn't worked out. So now, when you have a chance to acquire Hall of Fame talent, and look, is it ideal that he's 39? Of course not. Is it ideal? You know what we hear about you know, some of the the, the misgivings, he, the uh, you know some of the misfortunes there in Green Bay. Of course not. Is it ideal for him to you know be taking this long to make his decision because you kind of want to put your team together? Of course not. But all I'm saying is you talk about Mahomes and Burrow and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, and Justin Herbert. The only way to beat those guys is if you have a quarterback who's good enough or as good as those guys. That's the only way to beat those guys. You're not doing that with Derek Carr. You're not doing that with Jimmy Garoppolo. So we can talk all we want about building for the future. The future is now because these young kids you have on the roster, two, three years from now, are going to have to get paid. 
Understood. Thanks for taking the call, Ty. I appreciate wow. it. Love it. Love it. 800-919-3776. Before we get to a break, let me squeeze one more in as we head to New Jersey to talk to Jeff. What's up, Jeff? Hey, how are you? Thanks for taking the call. Appreciate you making it, man. Talk to me. Yeah, on the same uh, same note, kind of, right? Aaron Rodgers, I mean, Super Bowl champ, MVP, right? He's done it all. He's 39, I think you just said. Yes, sir. Does he want to play in the New York media? I, I mean, it remains to be seen. It's hard for any of us to answer that question. None of us can get, can get into the mind of Aaron Rodgers. You, you know what I mean? Why would you want to be in New York and, and be under that light if it, you're him? If you're Aaron Rodgers, and I appreciate the call, and you need to be sold on playing in New York, here is the pitch that I will make to him. You've got a chance to erase all of your quote-unquote sins with the Packers. All it would take is you winning one with the Jets. No one's going to focus on you being 11-10 and 10 overall in your postseason career with the Packers and having one quote-unquote disappointing championship because a guy of your talent should have more, especially with all the number one seeds. You've had a ton of disappointing losses as that number one seed at home, two inferior teams. We actually saw it the last time you were in the playoffs against the Niners with Jimmy G at quarterback. People are going to forget about all of that, the COVID stuff, the missing the playoffs last year when you all you needed to do was beat the Lions to get in. Doing this with the Jets in a conference with Patrick Mahomes would do wonders for your legacy. All time, because some people are, are saying Mahomes has already passed Rodgers. So let's say you beat Mahomes in a conference championship game. And let's just say it's in Arrowhead. Then you go on to win the Super Bowl. That That is going to do wonders for your legacy. If you care about legacy. If that is what the number one priority is for you as a 39-year-old quarterback on your way out. And look, this isn't this isn't this isn't just me being a Jess Homer. I heard Mina Kimes on the K show. We heard Connor Rogers. Like the best chance you have at winning, if you're if you can't go to the any NFC team, and you can't go to like Carolina or you can't go to San Francisco, if it's the AFC and it's between the Vegas Raiders and the Jets. I think it is inarguable that the Jets give you the best opportunity to win. And if you win another championship doing so in New York, I mean, imagine what that does for your legacy. 800-919-3776. We wrap with your phone calls when we get back right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Pro, uh, promo, DiPietro and Rothenberg, you can hear every morning on these airwaves from 6 to 10 a Monday through Friday. Say, this is Jalen Brunson's team. No, it's not. It's not Jalen Brunson's team. We can't say that through 60 games. Come on. Randall averaging more points, more rebounds, right there in player efficiency, is an all-star, and the Kia NBA MVP ladder has him seventh. This is not Jalen Brunson's team. You can love him more in crunch time. You feel more comfortable with him. You like him more as a player. This is not Jalen Brunson's team. Also, on Twitter, at Ty D. Butler, just got a tweet from at M underscore Fresh. What about Jordan's first repeat? He was with three Hall of Famers, question mark. I love how LeBron apologists love bringing up that team and not the first ones. You calling me a LeBron apologist? No one who knows me would ever consider me to be a LeBron apologist. Just because I think he's the greatest player of all time doesn't make me an apologist. 
You can you can follow me and listen to me. I've often been critical of LeBron. I've often been critical of, of LeBron. I'm not an apologist because I think he's the greatest player of all time. We can have a conversation. We can have a debate. I was talking about MJ's team that he played on with the three Hall of Famers. And I said that it was a super team. That's not me ignoring the first team. And I, I, I never took credit away from Michael for the championships he won. So that's just a bad job by you. Let's go to Forest Hills. We talked to Merv. What's up, Merv? Hi, man. I listen to you from on and on today, man. There is one thing. I'm sick of people jumping all over the Knicks talking about they're not here at the bottom. What Worldwide West and the Knicks have done in the past two years, make the first round of the playoffs, they barely missed last year. The rebuild, the competitive rebuild that they just pulled in front of our eyes, hoarding picks, being in a position to strike, and still getting experience for our young puppies. No one can say that. And remember where you heard it first. I'm telling you. They're going after Carl Anthony Towns in June. I will pull you back. Todd, put some respect on the Knicks name, man. I remember you from when you were little. Put some respect on the name. Thank you. Appreciate the call, Merv. I don't know how I'm disrespecting the Knicks. I, I felt like all show I've been giving them credit. And in the phone call you're referring to, I started by saying I'm conflicted because the, the that was a Knicks fan who was down on them. And I said, I don't want to be down on them because they're they're playing pretty well right now and they can get to as high as five. I was I was very fair about the Knicks. Now, it's so, it's so funny when people say things. It's like the... You want to whisper it or you want to say it quickly just so that the person doesn't catch it. When you say the Knicks barely missed out on the playoffs last year, you do realize that there are 10 seeds in the Eastern Conference. You didn't make the playing game. That's not barely missing out on the playoffs. You were six games worse than Charlotte. So don't sit here and say you barely missed out on the playoffs last year. Like Now you're being disingenuous. I can listen to you talk about how... You know, the culture is different, and, you know, bringing Jalen Brunson here is a different energy. You can, you can say all of that. Don't, don't sit here and try to throw it, or they barely missed the playoff. It, it, ten seeds deep per conference, they were eight games under five hundred after being the four seed the year before. Stop it. Stop it. You're embarrassing yourself. But, again, I, I have not disrespected the Knicks at all. I, I think I've been—Joe Lee, you think I've been unfair to the Knicks today? I don't think you're unfair. I think I think you're where a lot of Nick fans are, conflicted as to where this team is, just again because of how inconsistent they've been throughout this year. Yeah, and 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 that's that that's that's the thing too. And if you're someone who is a skeptic, like if you're a Nick fan or even if you're not a Nick fan and you're a skeptic about this current regime, when you were sold on them bringing stars in here, you really haven't seen that come to fruition. Like, who are the stars? Now, are they set up with all the first-round picks they have at their disposal? Sure. Young assets, maybe with Quentin Grimes, who's in- certainly increased his stock. Emmanuel quickly has been phenomenal this year coming off the bench. Uh, you've got n- little to no draft value with R.J. Barrett. and Obi Toppin simply isn't playing enough minutes for there to be tremendous value there. But the combination of you know some of the young players on this team— even include Mitchell Robinson there and the draft picks. Are you set up to to acquire that next big star when it when he he becomes available? Absolutely, but unfortunately, we've been sold this for too long that you just got to see it to believe it. You really got to see it to believe it. So 
I, I don't think I've been unfair with the Knicks. I, I've given them a lot of love. I've given them a lot of credit, and I, I've I've been a proponent of Julius Randle being more embraced by this fan base because I just felt like after last year, you were right to be down on him. You were right to be critical of him. But this year, 24-10-4, all-star appearance. He's, I mentioned he's Kia NBA MVP ladder has him seventh. He's, he's, he's been doing well. And what more can you ask for him? And I keep giving this stat out in the last 40 years. Here are the Knicks with multiple all-star appearances. Melo Ewing, Allen Houston, Bernard King, and Julius Randle. Randle's been really good, which is why I took exception to that promo with DPH on Rothenberg calling, this is Brunson's team? No, this, this is not Brunson's team. Brunson just got here, and he's universally loved by the fan base. He hasn't experienced any bumps in the roads. Uh, that would alienate them from him like Julius did last year. And Julius' first season wasn't good. Fans wanted him traded. Then his second season, he was a top-eight MVP candidate and helped the Knicks get to the fourth seed in a, a first-round home playoff series, was an all-star. And now he's back to being an all-star. So I think because of the time he's put in with this team and because I think this even this year he's been their best player, this is still Julius Randle's team. Brunson is a guy you trust more in crunch time. Brunson is a guy you want the ball in his hands. He is a floor general. He's the point guard. You want to see him set the tone and 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 play with tempo and poise and, and set guys up. Now, this is still Julius Randle's team. Let's not get carried away. I'm looking forward to being back on Tuesday night, 7 to 10, filling in for Dan Grasso. We're now in the midst of All-Star Weekend, so we'll start to turn our attention to the second, quote-unquote, half of the season, 22 games left in the regular season, and look ahead to the playoffs. What can we expect from the Knicks? Just three games back of the Nets for that 5 seed. Can the Nets stay there? Make some noise in the first round? How funny would that be if the Nets win the playoff series and and KD and, and Kyrie on their respective teams get bounced early in the playoffs? I know Nets fans are rooting for that, but we're getting closer to the start of baseball season. Yankees and Mets being in action. Spring training. I can't really get into spring training. Like, I'll watch. I'll, I'll get really excited for the first game, and then after that, I'm checking out. Like, I'll follow along, see what's going on, but uh, is this just too, too many players, too much happening? Wake me up when the regular season starts. But I'm looking forward to for to seeing the Mets and the Yankees back in action. Maybe by Tuesday night, we'll have a resolution to the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. Is he coming out of the darkness retreat before Tuesday night? Because it's supposed to be four days. And people keep asking me on Twitter. I think Joe Leo asked me what I do the darkness retreat. If it meant that my football team was signing Aaron bleeping Rodgers, you could send me into that darkness retreat for four months let alone four days. I'd do it. Sign me up in a heartbeat if I got Aaron Rodgers under center for this New York Jets team. Of course I would do it. Thank you to Chantel. Thank you to Joe Leo, the aforementioned one. We've got all-star game coverage coming up next right here on 9870 ESPN.